0: At this point in time, I'm going to encourage you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of John chapter 14. We are going to read uh, several passages from John 14, from verse 15 through 27, and then we are also going to read Acts chapter 19 and verse 2. Um, For those of you who are taking a minute to find uh, those scripture passages in John 14 and then in Acts 19, you can hold those two passages i um, um, there for now while I ask the Lord blessing upon his word. Please join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you tonight and we give you praise again, Lord, that we can once again have this opportunity to, Lord, to look into your word because your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God, we pray tonight, Lord, that you will um, remove those things that shouldn't be there in our lives, God, and and prune them, remove them, God. Have your way, Father, and Lord, just cause us, oh God, in each and every heart and in every life to bring forth fruit, God, fruit, Lord, that that will bring honor and glory to your name, Lord. Let not self be seen tonight, but let your name be glorified. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so John chapter 14, verse 15, and it's a very familiar passage of scripture. And it says, If you love me, Jesus said, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, another helper to be with you forever. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and my Father in me. And that I in you, whoever has my commandment and keeps them, he, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas not Iscariot said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us, not to the world? Jesus answered him, if you love, loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me and does not keep my words, the word that you hear is not mine, but my father who sent me. These things I have spoken to to you while I was still with you. But the Helper, and I want you to pay attention there. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you and my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And then if you turn with me into Acts chapter 19. And it had happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not heard that there is a Holy Spirit. May God bless his word. So um, I trust and pray that you have been following along on those two passages that we read, one from John and then all of a sudden in the, in the book of Acts. And the last question there is very interesting. When Paul came to um, Ephesus, he asked the, di- asked the disciples, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they, and, and they were astonished and they were like, what are you talking about? What Holy Spirit? We have never heard about a Holy Spirit. And so tonight I want to speak on, last week I I introduced the day of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And tonight I want to introduce, um, I want to title this message, Who is the Holy Spirit? And the question is also, can you uh, respond to that question? Who is the Holy Spirit? How many of us that are believers in Christ can say that we know who the Holy Spirit is? Last week, we looked at the Holy Spirit, like I said, on the day of Pentecost, and, and, and God chose to fulfill um, his promise to his disciples on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost was, and I want to say it again tonight, that Pentecost was a once and for all experience. It is not something that repeats itself. And uh, I it also for you to make note that some believers claimed a personal Pentecost. I'm not sure how many of you have heard that, but I've been in places that I've met people who have claimed a personal Pentecost. And there is, brothers and sisters, no such thing as a personal Pentecost. The disciples were all in the upper room together in one accord. And and none of them ever claimed a personal Pentecost. None of them ever claimed a personal Pentecost. However... There is a personal work of the Holy Spirit to bring one to saving faith. My experience uh, is not the same as yours and the way God has brought you to faith, but not a personal experience or a, pers- sorry, a personal Pentecost. Even, even, even speaking in tongues is not an experience that it, it repeats itself like the day of Pentecost. Yes, there is speaking in tongues, but whatever took place on the day of Pentecost was a once and for all um, experience. For those of us who have read our Bible, we will see that the Holy Spirit is mentioned from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And the very opening chapter of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, we are going to see that the Holy Spirit was active in creation, So I wanted to share some um, truths about the Holy Spirit before I touch on, the, on who the Holy Spirit is, the personality of the Holy Spirit. And like I said, I want you to also to answer while you're listening to this message, this question, who is the Holy Spirit? What is truth about the Holy Spirit? In Genesis 1 and verse 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning, and I want you to see this, this is the very first book of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, empty, which is what it means. And darkness was, all over, was over the face of the deep. And look what it says here. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. The very first Two verses, the second verse, we are introduced um, with the Spirit of God. Revelation, so I'm going to take you through a a few things tonight. So we look at Genesis, the very first book we have the opening. Um, We see the Holy Spirit at work. And then the very last book of the Bible, the very last few verses, we have the closing remarks of the work of the Holy Spirit which is uh, um, the Holy Spirit in the book of Revelation, in the redemptive work, redemption of all God's people. Hear what Revelations chapter 22 and verse 17 says, the Spirit, the Spirit and the bride. So the Holy Spirit, who is the bride? Which is Christ. He says, the Spirit and the bride says, come, let the one who hears says, "Come." Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the waters of life without price. So we see from Genesis to Revelation, we see the work of the Holy Spirit very active, not only in creation but in the redemptive plan of God and the work of God. So, in addition, in addition to these two books, Genesis. And the Revelation, the Holy Spirit is mentioned over 350 times in the Bible. 350 times in the Bible. Now, let me break that down to you for a minute. 90 times in the Old Testament, and 260 times in the New Testament. Of the 360 times that the Holy Spirit has been given, has been mentioned in the Bible, 57 different names or title has been given to the Holy Spirit. 57 names or title has been given to the Holy Spirit. 18 titles alone in the Old Testament and then 39 titles alone, different titles in the New Testament. Now, if you're taking notes, you can watch the message again and you're going to be able to to make note of that. But I always encourage you to take notes and 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 follow along and this is interesting facts which means that the holy spirit plays a key role not in not only in the creation of the world but also actively at work in the redemptive plan of god to restore mankind to himself and there and and i want to say this tonight that there has never never a time when the holy spirit was not present there was never a time when the Holy Spirit was not present. The only two books of the New Testament that has no reference to the Holy Spirit is 2 John and Third John. No reference to the Holy Spirit. Those are the only two books of the 66 books in the Bible. Only two books make no reference to the Holy Spirit. The only two books that I said just now is 2 John and Third John. These are the epistles. And so today we are going to focus our attention mainly on the personality of the Holy Spirit. And we are going to answer this question, who is the Holy Spirit? And if you have come here with some preconceived ideas or you're listening of some preconceived ideas or you've been taught about the Holy Spirit other than what we're going to discuss here tonight, um, then it will be interesting to hear um, what you have thought about the Holy Spirit. And then in the coming weeks we are also going to look at the work of the Holy Spirit because I believe as believers some of these some of we we are not being taught Who is the Holy Spirit? We hear a lot about, you know, people praying to the Holy Spirit. People command the Holy Spirit. People cast out, um, pray in the Holy Spirit, and they command the Holy Spirit as if he's an errand boy. And sometimes we treat the Holy Spirit in such a way that he is, you know, he's given to us as our helper. So we're going to use him, you know, to do this for us and do that for us. That's not what the Bible meant when it says that the Holy Spirit that we just read is a helper. So there are five things that we're going to look at tonight and I hope that we can be able to see them in the screen about the personality of the Holy Spirit. The first thing is that he is a unique person. Second is that he is divine and he is the third person of the Trinity or the Godhead. He is the author of the Bible or the Holy Scriptures. He is the agent of creation. And he is the agent of the new creation. So these are are the only five things that we're going to look at tonight. But there are many things that the Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit that, that speaks of his personality. And that's what we're going to look at. But we're just going to focus on these five here tonight. And many Christians, brothers and sisters, or believers do not know who the Holy Spirit is. And I'm going to say that again and again. That many of us do not know who the Holy Spirit is. Some refer to him as an external influence or force, which is why some would refer to the Holy Spirit as it. And I've I've been in places and I've been among Christians who refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. The Bible never referred to the Holy Spirit as an it. It's not an external force or an influence, something that you plug in like your guitar and you get a force there and you can play a tune out of it. That is not the Holy Spirit work. We have to see that the Holy Spirit is a unique person. And let us focus on that first thing tonight. He is a unique person. So the Holy Spirit is a unique person and not, like I said, an external influence or force. And throughout the Bible, the Holy Spirit is referred to to with the is referred to with the use of personal pronouns as he, him. But never I. He, him, but never I. Now let me give you an example of a passage from the mouth of Jesus that that refers to the Holy Spirit ten times alone in eight verses. Ten times alone in eight verses from the mouth of Jesus, John chapter 16. Follow me along and see if you can do this in your Bible tonight. If you can circle everywhere you see the word reference to the Holy Spirit as the third person, as the pronoun he or him. Now, follow me. Jesus said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. And if I do not go away, the helper, here again, the helper, which is different, which is the same as John 14. He says, the helper will not come to you, which is the Holy Spirit. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he, so you can underline that, that is the first he. And when he comes, he will convict. The world concerning sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no more or no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, Jesus said. But you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth. So helper. And now this spirit of truth, which is the same Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will, another he, <clears throat> that's the third he, he will guide you into all truth. And he will not speak. As that's the fourth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father is mine, therefore I said, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. How many he have you seen there? Almost ten. If you counting with me, or if you count on an extra one, then that's great. The word helper, now let me say something to you. This is the reason why when we don't read our Bibles and we don't spend time in God's word and we just hear what other people are saying, we run away with preconceived ideas as to who the Holy Spirit is, as who the Father is, and as who the Son is. And some of these things have been passed on to us. And I hope tonight that you are paying attention to God's word. The word helper here Let me draw this to your attention. The word helper here, and I want to make sure that we understand this, that when the Bible used the word helper here for the Holy Spirit, in this passage is no different than the one when he says another helper, which is in John 14 that we read as part of our passage this evening. The Greek word used is allos, A-L-L-O-S, and not heteros, A-T-T-E-R-O-S. Meaning that the Holy Spirit is of the same kind, like the Father and the Son. When you use heteros, some people use the word another. They see him as a different kind, not same as the Father and not same as the Son. So that is the reason why they reference the Holy Spirit as an it, meaning that they they, they deny his personality. Jesus never said he will send another helper so that someone that is not like him or like the Father... And we need to pay attention to that. He's no different than the father and the son. He is equal like the father and the son. And we're going to get to that. He's no different. The Holy Spirit is the one who will walk alongside, Jesus said. He didn't come to be your errand boy. So you you can command him, Holy Spirit, to do this and you can do that. And the Holy Spirit needs to obey what you says. No. The Holy Spirit is the one who will walk alongside, Jesus says. And the Greek word here is it says the parakletos. He came to walk alongside, to to be with us, Jesus says, and to to be with you and to be in you. John 14, isn't that what Jesus said? That if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. We just read that. To be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth. That when he comes, whom the world cannot receive, sorry, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, he said. Every one of you who are believers in Christ, he says, you know him. If you're a believer in Christ and you says, I don't know the Holy Spirit, then we need to talk about that. You know him for he dwells where? He dwells with you and he will be In you, Jesus said. This is not my word. This is Jesus' word. When it comes to the Father and the Son, we have no problem, brothers and sisters, with their personality. Isn't that so? We know the Father because we can relate to the Father and we know the Son because we can relate to the Son. But with the Holy Spirit, What about the Holy Spirit? So many people, including believers, have gone thinking that the Holy Spirit is some sort of impersonal force or influence or some sort of energy. Now, I am not denying the fact that the Holy Spirit plays a key role in influencing believers in their relationship with Christ. So don't get me wrong. Even though the Holy Spirit comes and have an impact and an influence in your life. This is not when, when someone says he's an influence. That means that he's an external force. But when he works inside, that means he works to, to convict your heart of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, like the Bible says. He leads, he guides, he directs. So don't mistake that to mean that he doesn't influence the life of the believer. Yes, he does. But this influence, like I said, must, must never be understood. He may be invincible, right? Right? We don't see him. The Bible said God is the spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And sometimes we, even because we don't see the Holy Spirit, we think that his work is, is, some sort, is, is seen as mystical or, or it's very secretive. But this does not mean that he has no personality. Not because we don't see him. Isn't that what Jesus said to Nicodemus? The wind blows where it wishes. And you cannot see it, but it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit does not have personality. Never seen the, we have never seen the Father, we see the Son, and we've never seen the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit does not have personality. But the Bible does speak of the Holy Spirit of uh, having impersonal objects um, uh, uh, speaks of things that, that are impersonal um, objects or things that symbolize the Holy Spirit, such as fire, such as wind, such as water, such as oil, and many other things that that we we symbolize the the Holy Spirit. When when Jesus was baptized, the dove came as a symbol, and God said, this is my beloved son, as a sign and seal of the Holy Spirit upon his life. And we see the dove come, which is a, a representation of the Holy Spirit. Last week, we look at the day of Pentecost, the tongues of fire on their head, the wind, a demonstration of the Holy Spirit coming. All these things are, are 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 symbolizes impersonal objects, but it doesn't mean that the holy that the Holy Spirit is not a person. And Jesus called. Je- so so when we look at those things and we look at Jesus, even when we see Jesus, we know that Jesus were given names that are impersonal, such as He is the door, I am the bread, I am the vine. Isn't that so? So why cannot the Holy Spirit have personality? When, in, when Jesus, who has personality, we can call him the door, we can call him the bread, we can call him the vine. The Holy Spirit does not lack personality, brothers and sisters. And there are many scriptural references that we can go that associate to the Holy Spirit what he does. That speaks of his personality, such as in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, he can be grieved. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 30, he can be quenched and he can be resisted as well. In Acts chapter 7 and verse 51. So he can be grieved, he can be quenched, he can be resisted, he can be lied to. You, you, you don't lie to something that is impersonal. You can't grieve something that is impersonal. You can't, grieve, you can't, you can't quench something that is impersonal. You can resist something that is impersonal, maybe. And the Bible not only speaks of these impersonal things, but the Bible also speaks of the Holy Spirit as having what? A mind, a will, and an emotion. Qualities that express what? Personality. Something that an impersonal force or influence cannot have. An impersonal force or influence cannot have mind, cannot have will, and cannot have emotions. And you can look those, look those up if you want a scripture passage. Romans chapter 8, 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. And Romans 8, 26. So, first of all, we see that the Holy Spirit is a unique person. No longer a force or an influence. So don't go about thinking that the Holy Spirit is a force. Or you feel the tingling. You know, some people would say, man, I feel the tingling of the Holy Spirit. He don't tingles you. He is with you. He doesn't have to tingle you so you feel tingling. That's not the way He works. And we got to learn to understand and appreciate who God, the, the Godhead, appreciate the Holy Spirit for the work that He is doing in our lives. Second, He is divine. Not only is that He is a person, but He is divine. And He is also the third person of the Trinity or the Godhead. The Godhead means the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he is the third person. But he is also one with the Father and one with the Son. Now, Acts chapter 5, verse 14. And I want to show you that the Holy Spirit is divine. Because a lot of people confuse that. How can he be divine? Look at verse 5. Acts chapter 5, and verse 1. But a man named Ananias and Sapphira, Ananias with his wife, sorry, Sapphira, sold a piece of property or land. With his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to who? Why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? And keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, what is not your disposal? At your disposal. Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. He says, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? Why have you filled your hearts and lied to the Holy Spirit? But then he says, not only have you, you haven't lied to man, but you have lied to God. Divine, that means he is what? He is divine. Peter clearly warned Ananias that he has not lied only to the Holy Spirit to say, well, you lied to a force or an influence. No, but you lied to God. That's why we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Even though the word, now let me say this, even though the word Trinity is not mentioned anywhere in our Bible, the doctrine of the Trinity is the doctrine of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Speaking of them as three in one. And a lot of people can say, well, let me touch on this tonight. This doctrine is foundational to our Christian faith. And God is one in essence, brothers and sisters. One in essence and three in person. Which means that the Holy Spirit is co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and the Son. Everything about the Father is the same as the Son. Everything about the Son is the same as the Holy Spirit. Christianity, we do not worship three gods. We worship one God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One in essence, three in person. Not three gods, three persons, three beings. No, that's not what the Bible teaches us. Now, there are some denominations that only put emphasis on the Father and deny the co-equal and co-eternality relationship of the Son and the Holy Spirit. One such organization, as we all know, is the Jehovah Witness, which was founded by Charles Tate Russell, who deny the doctrine of the Trinity. The, The Jehovah Witness do not teach on the doctrine of the Trinity. Which means that they deny the role of the Son and the Holy Spirit and put emphasis only on the Father. They deny the personal work of the Holy Spirit, deny His personality and deny His deity. Yes, they will believe in the Son, but not as God equal to God, the Father. And same with the Holy Spirit, which they completely deny. The Holy Spirit is just, for the Jehovah Witness, an external force or influence. Now, let me say something to you. And if you are to read the the New World Translation of the Holy Scriptures, which they call their Bible, you will find that every reference of the Holy Spirit is in lower case. Because He is not equal. He does not have deity. He is just a force. You go and read the New World Translation of the Bible, and you will find every reference of the Holy Spirit where? In lowercase. Then not only do you have the Jehovah Witness who only put emphasis on the Father, but no emphasis on the Holy Spirit and have some emphasis on the Son, but not as God. Then you have movements such as Oneness Pentecostalism or Apostolic Movement. Now this movement only put emphasis on the Son, and that baptism must be done in the name of Jesus and in Jesus alone. Which is contrary to the teaching of scriptures. Which is completely contrary to the teaching of Jesus. They also deny the Godhead as Father and as Son and as the Holy Spirit. They claim that Jesus is Father and now, and now Jesus was once Father. Jesus Then he came and now Jesus is Spirit. One God which Jesus has been revealed himself to in three different modes, or he has revealed himself in three different form. Jesus revealed himself, which is this teaching here, brothers and sisters, is called or what is known as modalism, three modes. No, no, no. That's not what the Bible teaches us. Now, there's some other time I'm going to touch deeper into these these things here, but let's keep focusing on the Holy Spirit. But you can see that there are organization and movement out there that denies the Trinity, that denies the work of the Holy Spirit, that denies the the, the Godhead and the the, the role that the Holy Spirit plays. God is not three persons with three beings or three essence. God is one. Biblical monotheism teaches that there is only one God, one and true living God, who reveal himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Which is known as Trinitarian monotheism. Which is quite different from Judaism and Islam monotheism. Because Christian, Biblical Christianity teaches Trinitarian monotheism. God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Not just when we say monotheism, we're talking about this God as Father, God as Son God as Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is both from the Father and the Son turn with me to John 14 and 16 and we read that there just now, Here what Jesus says I will ask the Father you know, some people go away with this belief that um, Jesus had to own, because they read the passage that Jesus alone had to send the Holy Spirit and never understand the role that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit plays. But look at Jesus' word. I will ask the Father and he will give you another comforter. You see, completely reading the scripture incorrectly to be with you, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither see him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells in you, brothers and sisters. Again, he dwells with you and will be in you. And Jesus commanded his disciples in Matthew. Now, let me, pay, let me ask you to pay attention here to Matthew. You know, when we just talk about, about um, I think is oneness Pentecostal. He, this is how they completely deny the scriptures. Go hear what Jesus said. Go therefore and make disciples in Matthew chapter 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. What? Baptizing them of of what? Baptizing them in the name of who? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not Jesus alone. Contrary Contrary to the teaching of Christ. And Jesus said, Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of this age. So we, we see him as a, a unique, with unique personality. We see him as divine, which means that he's part of the Godhead and should never be denied. And third, he is the author of scriptures of the Bible, the 66 six books that you and I read. Not the one that the Jehovah Witness uh, created and deny him as deity. And we got to know which one to read to. He is the author of the Holy Scriptures, the Bible. 2 Timothy 3.16. Here here Paul writing to young Timothy says, All Scripture, all Scripture, not, not the Old Testament, not the New Testament, all Scriptures is what? Is breathed out by God and are profitable for teaching, for reproof, "...for correction, for training in righteousness, that a man of God, that you and me, may be complete, equipped for every good work." And brothers and sisters, if you don't read your Bible, here is the reason why you should spend time reading your Bible. All Scripture is God-breathed, God-inspired. And it's profitable for teaching. You can teach it. It's profitable for reproof, for correction. For training in righteousness. You wanted to know why people don't live their life in relationship to Christ and, and, and don't follow? What the Bible says? It's because they don't read it. And here Paul wrote to young Timothy to remind him that all Scripture is, is what? Is breathed out by God. It's God breathed. From Genesis to Revelation, it is the work of the Holy Spirit giving us the inspired word of God. It is the Holy Spirit that has inspired men to write. But let's look at Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. Let me, let me read this to you so you can understand. Here what Peter says. For we did not follow, brothers and sisters, clearly devised myths. When we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were what? Eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when, he, for when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and, he, and, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice, Peter says. We heard this voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain, They heard the voice of God. And we have, Peter says, and we have the prophetic word more fully conformed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. And hear what he says, brothers and sisters. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy... No prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along. By who? By the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inspired men to write. Men moved by the Spirit of God. They were not men who, they were, they, were, they were not men who centuries ago just sit and, and decided, oh, I'm going to write a book called Genesis, or I'm going to write a story about um, Exodus, or I'm going to write a story about Leviticus or Deuteronomy. No, 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 no. None of these books came about by men just sit down and write them and make belief of some sort. So the story of the Bible are not fictional, they are facts, and they are inspired by the Holy Spirit by God working in the hearts and lives of men to, to preserve His word, so that you and I today, after 2,000 years ago or more, can still read it. because the Holy Spirit spill, the Holy Spirit still speaks to us through the word of God, even today, as I read it, as you sit here and listen, the Holy Spirit still speaks to us through the word, because it convicts your heart. And that inspiration will never stop. It's not once and for all. But it continues from generation to generation to generation. That is the reason why the Bible must not be taken lightly. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 9 says, Hear what God says. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, Jeremiah says. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put. My words in your mouth. And God has been doing that for centuries. Preparing the hearts and lives of faithful men. And God is doing that same thing. Jesus God says I'm going to write a new law. Not on table of stone. But now I'm going to write it in your hearts. And brothers and sisters. Not only did we see that he is a unique person. Not only does he have divinity. Not only did he inspire the word. But he's the agent of creation. Let me go back there. Genesis 1 verse 1 and 2. In the beginning God created the heaven and earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God hovering the face of the water. Now let me touch on this for a moment. And then I'll read a few passages of scripture. The spirit of God. The Hebrew word used here for spirit is ruach. R-U-A-C-H and if we are to if we are to take this word this hebrew word ruach and add it to the to to the word god the name of god which is elohim what do we have ruach elohim that is the breath of what the breath of what god or the breath of the almighty god speaking about who the holy spirit his work in creation isn't the Holy Spirit when, when, when the Bible says, let us make man in our image and likeness? Now I'm going to read a few passages of scripture to you tonight. Job chapter 26 verse 13. Here, what Job says. By his power he stilled the sea. By his understanding he shattered Rahab. By his wind the heavens were made far. His hand perceived the fleeting Serpent. But look at that passage again. By his wind. Speaking of what? A representation of the Holy Spirit. Then Psalms 33 verse 6. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth are all his hosts. Did you see that? Can you, can you see that in scripture tonight? That the breath of God. Speaking about the spirit of God. Speaking about the Holy Spirit, Job 33 and verse 4. The Spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Then Psalms 104 and verse 30 talks about the beast of the earth. He says, when he sent forth your spirit, capital S for spirit, they are created and you renewed the face." Of the ground. And there are many, many other passages that we can show. That the Holy Spirit was actively at work in creation. In the hearts and lives of men and women. The Holy Spirit is active in the creation of the world. Excuse me. Creation of mankind. Giving of life to the beast of the field and many other and this is no some form of force or influence that God used. And then the final thing, so we have first, He is a unique person. So who is the Holy Spirit? He is a unique person. He is what? He is divine. Third, He is. He inspired Scripture. Fourth, He is the. He, he was active in creation. And the last one tonight we're going to look at, is that He is the agent of the new creation. The Holy Spirit is the one responsible for bringing about the new birth. We see Jesus encounter Nicodemus and I love this story because it's, very, it's perfect of what Jesus introduced the new birth. The new birth, or, or some of us says born again, is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not your work, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. And that is the new creation. Bible says all things are passed away. And then now what? When you come to know Christ, all things what? Becomes new. Those things don't become, you don't become a new creation in Christ because you choose to be a, a new creation. No, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. What was Deacon response? When Jesus, when he came to Jesus... And he says, good teacher, I know that you are you, you, you're a good teacher of a man come from God. Jesus said, don't call me good. Nicodemus, you must, I think it was Nicodemus he said that too, sorry. He said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus says, should I enter my mother's womb and be born again? Jesus says, no, no, no. Here what Jesus said to him in John 3 and verse 5 through 8. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of what? Of water and what? And the spirit that is the active work of the Holy Spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. So no ritual is going to take you into the kingdom of God. No, no traditional belief system is going to take you into the kingdom of God. You need, to, you need to, it is the active work of the Holy Spirit that opens your eyes and bring you to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus says you cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of what? Of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of what? Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. He says, do not marvel, Nicodemus, that I said to you, you must be born again. Do not marvel. Why do you look so puzzled and so strange? As if I'm telling you something that you're never going to understand. Jesus said, you must be born again. Hear what he says, the wind blow where it wishes and, the, and you hear the song, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is everyone who is what? Born of the Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that is responsible so that you can come to know who Jesus Christ is. And don't believe that you are the one that is responsible for your newborn. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. Yet there are so many people, brothers and sisters, who feel, feel that, that they are the ones responsible for their born-again experience, you see, God, God is the one who who they, they, they claim that they are the one who chose God, rather than it is God who bring them to the knowledge of the truth and, and convict their hearts of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. You can't even do that to yourself. The Holy Spirit actively at work, not only in bringing men to faith in Jesus Christ, but also actively at work in leading the church forward and in preparing. The body of Christ, this body of Christ, around the world, wherever it's scattered for the second coming of Jesus. So that one day, brothers and sisters, you and I will see him face to face. That is our hope. And one day you and I will live in, 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 in eternity with him. So let us not leave here or with the understanding that the Holy Spirit is an influence and I'm hoping that this word has been a blessing to your heart. And now that you can even answer the question, I know who the Holy Spirit is. If someone asks you, who is the Holy Spirit? At least you get five things that you can tell them who is the Holy Spirit. Isn't that so? And in closing, i love to close with these words. And next week we'll continue. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 9 through 11. You, you believers, you brothers and sisters, I want you to pay here Paul is saying, you, however, are not in the flesh. Hear what Paul says? Before you leave this place here tonight, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. In fact, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. You see that? Anyone who does not have the spirit of what? Of who? Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, The spirit is what? Life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, which is what? Who raised Jesus from the dead? Yes. Dwells in you. If that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, here Paul says, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give you what? Life to your mortal body. Bodies. Bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you, brothers and sisters. You see that? Isn't there something that you and I should be rejoicing about tonight? That when we leave here, that we are not leaving, expecting that we're leaving the Holy Spirit on this stage. We're not coming uh, to church to meet the Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. He's already leading the way. He has, Bible says, you know, He, he goes before us. He goes beneath us. He goes beside us. He goes above us. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says that he will be with you and in you. So if you are a believer, you can't leave the Holy Spirit home. He's always with you. And if I ask and someone asks you tonight, who is the Holy Spirit? I trust and pray that at least you can remember two or three out of these five things if you can't remember all. That is the reason why I encourage you that for those of you who are here and those of you who are watching, always make notes when you're reading, when, I, when, when you hear God's word or when you hear someone is preaching. Take notes. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, tonight, God, again, for, for, for making known your ways to us through the passages, scriptures we read here tonight. Lord, so that we can, we can leave here, rest assured, God, that we're not referring to you, your Holy Spirit as an it or an influence or a force but as one co-equal with the Father and the Son. God we worship and we give you praise and thanks for your word and Lord for those that have, are going to listen to this message again during this week, that you will speak to their heart, that your people each and every one of us will continue to take your word seriously Lord. I will read it We'll spend time meditating on it. We'll take time, Lord, to know you. Whom to know is life eternal. Lord, we just give you praise and thanks. Amen.